So she, April was so much more gentle checking with tears. And she also like, she was much more about like consent. Mm -hmm. So instead of being like, okay, I'm going to check you for tears now, you know, get in there and get it done. She's like, is that all right? If I check you for tears, I'm like, yes, please be gentle. Mm -hmm. And she was so much more gentle. Um, Gosh, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just like basic human decency, like really, it really goes a long way. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. You've hired a midwife, so you're good to go, right? I mean, all midwives are totally amazing, totally wonderful, and totally good at honoring you, right? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 138 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Bethany, who has given birth to all of her babies at home. However, her first birth experience was not the beautiful, gloriously supported home birth that we talk about so often on this podcast. No, it was marked with negligence and maybe abuse, and it's an important conversation for us to have. Luckily, we'll then get to hear the beautiful difference to this experience with her subsequent births. Now, before we jump in, let's take a quick moment to thank our reviewer of the week, Kay Riord, who writes, Love this motivational podcast. I am currently pregnant and have enjoyed this podcast so much. I've learned so much about birth. Thank you so much, Kay Riord, for taking the time to leave a review. If you'll email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I'd love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And if you're gaining value from this show, would you hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review? They're basically Christmas presents to me, and they help tremendously with this show's reach. Okay, let's jump in. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and the show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Bethany, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Would you just take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Yeah. Um, My name is Bethany and I live in Indiana. Um, I've had three births at home and those are all three of my children. So first home birth at home Um, and at two different locations too. So the first two times was at our apartment. First time the landlord didn't know we were having a home birth. We thought it was better to ask forgiveness than permission with that Mm -hmm. one. And then the other here at our home that we've since bought, and I have those three children are now four, two, and almost one year old. Mm. Oh, that's so much fun. So you said that you had your first birth at home. So that's really, I mean, I'm sure you know, like it's a lot of times not the case. A lot of times people decide to start with a hospital and then switch to home birth. So when you were pregnant, did you know that that's what you were going to do or how did you guys make that decision? Right. So I hadn't really thought about the birth experience before getting pregnant or even at the beginning of pregnancy. I kind of avoided thinking about it because I don't like pain and have a really low pain tolerance. And <laughs> I didn't want to think about birth, but I knew I needed to do something. And my husband's like, I'd, I'd be comfortable if you wanted to do a home birth because he was a home birth himself. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that that would be safe. What if we do, what if we go with like a birth center? And as we were looking into it, he's like, I don't think they have anything at the birth center that like a midwife wouldn't bring to our house. Mm. (laughs) And you might be more comfortable at home. So since he was more comfortable with home, then I would be more comfortable since he was comfortable. And I thought that was the important, that was important to me to have him be comfortable wherever we were going to deliver. Cause I knew that would affect me during the birth. That's a good point. That's really mm-hmm. encouraging to hear. I love it when the husband is like immediately like, yeah, let's do this. Like what, why don't we do this? Like, that's, yes. that's really exciting. We didn't know any midwives or any, any home birth community in the area. So we were, we were a little apprehensive or at least I was about that. I wasn't sure if we'd be able to find someone to come. Mm. Oh, okay. So is there a, 
is there a not a big midwifery community in your area? I think we just hadn't uh, like scratched the surface of mm. anything yet. Uh, right. So after some Google searching, I was able to find um, a midwife in our area. Gotcha. Um, also, I, I knew an older lady who said, if I were to have kids again, I would home birth and I would use this particular midwife. So we, we started out looking with her as well. Oh, that's very interesting. And I think that you mentioned before, so your husband was a planned home birth? Uh, correct. Yes. His mom had several of her seven children at home. I don't remember the exact number. That's really, um, I'm sure that was kind of helpful having people in your family who had been through the experience before. Yes, she was very supportive. My mother-in-law was very supportive of the home birth. And my mom, my mom was actually supportive as well. She had five of the six of us in a hospital, but like completely intervention free. Um, with my birth, she actually, they convinced her to get the, I think it's the HEPLOC, right? Where they do the fluids. Um, and, but they also convinced her like in the middle of pushing that she should get some, some kind of drug. I can't remember what kind it was, but it made her super loopy. So when they gave me to her at the end, they're like, here's your baby. It's a girl. And she's like, okay, I want a nap. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. But she's like, I could have totally done this all at home. Like Mm -hmm. if I had tried, you know, but Wow. Well, that's so, that's really exciting to have everybody around you like, yeah, okay, cool. This makes sense. This sounds good. Right. I think the one naysayer was my grandma. She was an emergency room nurse. So she Mm. always saw all the scary stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So you reach out to this midwife, you uh, make contact with her. What was your prenatal experience like? And then leading up into that first birth? Right. So we contacted her, we got all set up. Um, and when we were gonna, like, we needed to sign the paperwork, we ended up like completely losing contact with her, um, which should have been a little bit of a red flag, but I didn't think anything of it. She had ended up joining another practice. And so she wasn't answering any, um, personal texts or emails anymore because she was with that other practice. So she was in a crazy transition there. Um, so we ended up going with a complete practice that had a group of three midwives and a doula and their practice would send two midwives and a doula to the birth and then you would circle through using all of them for prenatal care all the midwives from prenatal care okay so Mm -hmm. so she first so you signed a contract not yet oh okay it had the interview agreed that yes we're comfortable we want to use you gotcha completely lost contact at that point Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So then, mm-hmm. so that happens, but you guys got reconnected. Yes. And she had joined a, pre- a different practice. Okay. And so then, then what happened after that? What I should have done was go back and interview the practice itself, but I'm like, Oh, I was comfortable with her when she was on her own. We'll just go with this practice. And they agreed to honor the same price that we had, were going to use, um, originally. So that was, we thought, oh, that's great. We'll do that. Um, But we ended up having a few red flags at the prenatal appointments. So one of them was the the head midwife. Um, So we had our first meeting with her and this is just a personal preference, but she would close her eyes whenever she would speak to us. And it made us feel a little uncomfortable that she couldn't make eye contact with us. Um, It just set off red flags and then uh, one of our, our appointments where she was listening to the baby's heartbeat, um, she paused suddenly and like has this like terror stricken face. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And we were like, oh, my goodness, what's wrong? What's, <laughs> what's happening? And she's like, midwife, get over here. And she comes in from the other room and she's like, you have listen, what do you hear? And she um, takes the Doppler and listens and she says, oh, sounds like a regular heartbeat. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, I feel like if there was something wrong, maybe not make it so panicky. <laughs> like yeah. we had no idea what was happening. Um, but that that did scare us a little bit. Uh, yeah. They also, uh, two of the other midwives discouraged the use of like um, 
like eating dates in the last trimester and they discouraged red raspberry leaf tea, like all these things they discouraged, like, oh, don't do any of that. And that was fine. But then I found out another friend who was in their care, they were telling her to do those things and like really heavily pushing them on her. Like at the same time, she was, she was pregnant at the same time, but we didn't know each other yet. So we thought that's, that's kind of strange. It's not very consistent. Um, Let's see. So other than that, the prenatal appointments did go all right. Um, I didn't follow all of their recommendations, but like they, they wanted me to um, gain 60 pounds, but I'm more of like an intuitive eater. So I didn't follow that. They were really great about letting me decline um, certain procedures and stuff that I wasn't comfortable with. That's great. Yeah. There there we Um, go. There's one. (laughs) Yeah, that was a positive. (laughs) So at this point, do you want me to get into the birth story? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so it was my first baby, right? And I woke up on my due date with bloody show. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in labor. Ah, So I start Googling, like, how soon after bloody show does labor begin? And of course, it's two, you know, up to two weeks after <laughs> bloody show. I'm like, oh, well, that tells me nothing at right. all. <laughs> That was disappointing, but uh, I went ahead and um, texted the midwives anyway, and they were like, oh, okay, that's great. Let us, let us know how it goes. So my husband and I, we were working together at the time. We're self-employed, and we were doing a house painting job, and we, this was like the last day we had to, we wanted to wrap up this job so they didn't have their house torn apart when I was having the baby and in labor and all that and have to wait for us, for me to recover and us to go back to work. So... Um, uh, we go and we're wrapping it up and we're getting it all finished. And like, just as he's putting like the last coat of paint on this door, um, I'm really starting to feel what I thought were like cramps, really starting to feel them pick up. And this is probably like at 4 PM. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's try and get home. So we hop in the car and start heading home. But I realized that today's the day of the garage sale for the this thrift store is like having this giant garage sale. Huh? I'm like, I really want to go see what they have there. So, so we stopped there. And at this point, like I'm looking through the stuff on the tables and I have to lean on the tables during the contractions. And then in between contractions, I'm like looking for shirts for my husband because he gets them dirty so fast. And, <laughs> and everyone's like, don't you need to get to the hospital? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. No, actually, I need to get home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I, I should have listened more to my body probably and, and gone home. But I wanted to see what they had. I wanted to get a good deal. So uh, we ended up getting home and we made pizza together. And um, I was having contractions on my hands and knees. Cause I couldn't stand through them. Uh, and I was like, I'm surely I'm not like that far along. Cause you know, first mothers have really long labors. So I, I did text my midwife. I'm like, I think I'm in early labor. Here's what my contractions look like all that. Um, and then she's, she's like, oh, okay, go ahead and go lay down, take a nap, you know, take a shower, do whatever you need to do. I'm like, great. So I get in the shower and I eat a snack and drink water, expecting these to contractions to slow down or go away. But I lay down in bed and they're just so intense. Like I, I couldn't really cope. I did not do a good job preparing because I, I read all about like coping techniques, but I didn't write them down and I didn't really like have my husband <laughs> research mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So nothing is coming to my recall, like to, to my brain when I'm thinking about, um, like how to how to cope with these contractions right um so I I was in a bad place like like bad place coping wise like I just couldn't think about anything but I'm in so much pain right now Mm -hmm. so I'm texting the midwife and I'm like okay I think I'm pretty close my contractions are about four minutes long and no not four minutes long I'm sorry four minutes apart and one minute long and that's their rule for you know them coming to the labor um, is to meet that criteria. It's a 411 rule, I think. So I texted her my contraction timer and she was like, oh, okay. Uh, those numbers don't look, the, the numbers you sent me don't look um, consistent enough to be real labor contractions. So I want you to, you know, if you need to take another shower or lay down and take a nap, they'll, they'll go away. You'll be fine. Uh. And I'm like, it really, they really feel intense though. <laughs> This is all over text. I probably should have called her, <laughs> but she was like, 
she said, no, if, if you were in labor, you would not be texting me right now. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. And I, I start crying. I'm like, Jacob, my husband, I'm, I'm like, if this isn't real labor, I don't know if I can do real labor. I really right. don't know what to do. So we, we laid in bed together and I coped with the contractions the best I could. But uh, like I said, I have a really low pain tolerance, and, but I never do like do anything. Like I don't take ibuprofen or anything for it. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, if I'm in pain, it's trying to, you know, tell me something. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, and it's only temporary. So trying to make it through that. Well, at about 10 o'clock, I started feeling, I'm like, I kind of feel like I need to go sit on the toilet. Oh and God. then, but then it's, but then it hit me like, isn't this, is this what feeling pushy feels like? So I'm like, Jacob, call the midwife just in case. I feel like we need to call her. So he calls her and while he's on the phone with her, I'm having a contraction. And she's like, you could hear like the concern in her voice. She's like, is she having a contraction right now? And he's like, yes. And she's like, okay, we'll be right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So they were, they left about 45 minutes away. Oh, good. <laughs> house around 11 PM. But when they got there, the contractions like stopped, like they slowed down kind of and stopped. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like what's wrong? And I could see the two midwives like looking at each other, like what's happening? <laughs> she wasn't in labor. Uh, that's what I felt like. They didn't see yeah. that, but I could feel it. And they were kind of rolling their eyes at each other. And another thing I didn't realize until af way after the birth is three midwives came when it's supposed to be two midwives and a doula. So at this point, I didn't have um, like a doula there to help with the pain management like I had kind of expected. Oh, So yeah, then the like immediately after that short pause it was I don't know it was like five or ten minutes but it was a quite a long pause compared to what I had been having mm -hmm. um they came back with a vengeance and immediately like the the other mid the third midwife gets there at that point and she was like okay go sit on the toilet mm -hmm. and I was like no <laughs> I don't want to I really didn't want to because I was in so much pain but I didn't know what else to do so I just did what she said and I went over and sat on the toilet and Nothing happened except that I was, I was feeling like there was a bowling ball sitting right there. Mm -hmm. So she's like, okay, now go squat in front of the couch. And I'm like, no, I really don't want to. And I didn't know what else to do. So I went and I, my husband was holding me um, behind me. Like he was sitting on the couch holding me while I was in a squatting position. And they're all standing there uh, maybe about like, eight feet away watching me <laughs> and I'm and I start like having the fetal ejection reflex so like I have no control over this my body just starts pushing and this is like 11 15 so just about 15 minutes after the first two midwives got there um, <laughs> and it felt like no time passed but after 45 minutes of pushing um my water and in, in all that time in 45 minutes my water broke and I was pushing the head ground it was extremely painful <laughs> to me at the time right um but my daughter's head came out and then the rest of her body and no one caught her her head hit the floor what I know I, I thought I I don't know what I was thinking I was so inside myself with all the pain Mm -hmm. that I wasn't thinking but I would have thought with three midwives there one of them would have had Somebody. the presence of mind to catch the baby <laughs> I'm I would love to hear the setup of it. like where were you pushing at this point like what still what? in front of the couch with my husband I didn't move okay. the whole time I was pushing I was just in this squat in front of the couch uh, and the three of them were all just standing there about eight feet away with their clipboards and stuff okay and so, yeah, it, then one of them was like, whoa, <laughs> grabs the baby, puts her on my chest and yeah. Wow. So, was I mean, I think there is this concept of like, oh, it's, you know, it can be really nice to have a hands off birth, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but had there, it sounds like there'd been no discussion of, you know, it's not like this was like a planned event. No. 
at, at one point in the paperwork, I had filled out that I would like it if my husband could catch the baby, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that presence of mind during the right. birth and the head midwife was setting us up to push how she wanted, she knew how she wanted me to push and all that. I felt like the whole time I was in a lot of pain. I wanted someone, I wanted to be able to communicate to someone that I needed help coping yeah. with the pain, but they got there and they're like, okay, let's get this baby out. You know, I felt like they were just doing things like sitting on the toilet, getting into the squatting position to just speed it up. Right. Where you were, I mean, you were already there. Like, yeah, it's not like there was like some need to like, like, okay. yeah, there was no like distress of the baby or, and I wasn't ex- yeah. exhausted. I was, I was, t- I was, um, I was tired and in pain, but mm-hmm. there was no reason to speed it up. Right. Oh gosh. Okay. So how did you process that? I mean, I'm curious to hear how you were experiencing it in the moment. And then later on looking back at it, was it different? Was it more intensified how you felt about it? Just, you know, because sometimes I feel like sometimes it takes a little bit of time to kind of process. Right. I didn't have any feelings except for just how badly like the pain stuck with me. I felt like a terrible mother because the next day, um, instead of feeling like my sister told me she felt, she was like, oh, I would do, I would have a baby all over again just to, you know, experience that and have my baby. And it was, it was just, it wasn't even painful. It was like a hard workout. It wasn't painful at all. And I was like, I never want to have another baby again. Yeah. <laughs> that hurts so bad. And the, so I felt like a horrible mother because I ha- here I have this baby and all I can think about is like, I don't want to have any more babies because that hurt a lot. Right. <laughs> um, so I, that was a lot to process. Um, I did want to touch on one thing with the midwife. Yeah. Um, afterwards, she was going to check me for tears. And that in, in itself, itself, that was super painful as well. And I was not expecting that. She Now, after having another baby and being checked for tears again, I know that she was really... Um, rough in the way she checked right which I didn't realize it at the time I just thought oh I just had a baby so of course it hurts so thankfully I got away with just having about a half a centimeter tear mm-hmm. on uh the, into the perineum but then uh, I had a super bad uh, <laughs> side labial laceration that, oh and those hurt so bad <laughs> uh yes and everyone when they heard I tore was like oh keep your legs together mm-hmm. I'm like, that makes it worse. (laughs) It really doesn't help me right now. (laughs) Right. So, um, oh, another, and then another thing after the birth was that because of the pain, when I finally got my urine to pass, because you have to pee before they can leave, they were in a rush to get out of there. Um, They really wanted me to pee and I was, you know, have a shy bladder. So I could, I couldn't do it. And then once I finally did, the pain made me want to pass out. Mm -hmm. And, um, so at that point, from what I can read of the, between the lines now was that the head midwife thought that that meant I was losing too much blood, but looking at the, when I was looking at the shucks pads and stuff, it didn't, it really didn't strike me as much blood. So she says, Oh, we're, when I told her I was lightheaded, she said, we're not happy with the amount of blood that you are losing. So I have two options for you. You can have Zytotec or a shot of Pitocin. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want either of those things. So I'm like, is there any other option? And she says, well, you could try nursing the baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, can you have mentioned that first? <laughs> right so I go to nurse the baby so I I don't know I I don't know if that's in my like in my experience I didn't I didn't feel like I was being cared for Mm -hmm. on the level that I wanted to be but I don't know if I was just expecting too much from a midwife like I just felt like they didn't care about me as a person they just wanted to get in there and get out right I think that there is and I mean people you know People talk about this as, you know, the idea of like medwives even, and it's so important and it can be really hard when it's your first, especially to have that ability to differentiate. So for those of you listening who are pregnant with your first or choosing your first home birth midwife, take this story to heart and really consider consider any red flags. If you are experiencing red flags, if your intuition is telling you like, oh, something doesn't feel right, 
This is important to listen to. This is important to acknowledge. Don't just pass it by. Hit those things head on because not every midwife is a glorious angel, you know, as much Mm -hmm. as I want them to be (laughs) and as much as many of them are. I mean, it's just like any other, you know, any other field, you've got really great ones. And then, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole spectrum. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing this. It's such an important discussion point. It's so important to acknowledge this. Mm -hmm. And I, I did find out later through the grapevine that um, when I texted them that I was in labor at 6 p.m., um, when I was like really thinking this is it, they were just getting off of an all-nighter birth, like mm-hmm. a labor that had lasted all day and all night, and they were just getting home. Right. So they were exhausted. And that partly, though, my, my second midwife, April, that I used with my second and third birth, she told me that the name of the uh, midwifery practice, they do take a lot of clients. So they, they may have had too much of a workload to give everyone the time and care that they needed. That's another really important aspect. And it, that's, it's kind of disappointing when you think of like, I love the idea of sustainable midwifery. I love the idea of, of having a team like that, that can Mm -hmm. be so beneficial, but it kind of ruins the whole point. If you, (laughs) if Mm. you still like overwork, then still the clients aren't getting the appropriate Mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. Um, when I was processing this later, it took me a full, I think it was a full year before I posted a review on Google or Facebook, but I had like been working on it for a while Mm -hmm. because I didn't want I felt like because I wasn't happy with my care that I was being whiny or complaining too much and not being grateful that I have a healthy baby. (laughs) And, but when I did, and also another thing was all of her reviews on Google and Facebook were positive. There was like not a single negative review. And I was like, how can I be the only person who's had a bad experience? Like I must just be way overreacting. (sighs) And uh, as soon as I posted it, I had two other ladies contact me and be like, thank you so much for your review. I had a bad experience and I didn't want to post my review because I would be the only negative person on there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she actually, well, I guess if, if anyone's in the area, go on and read those reviews because those opened my eyes as well. If I had seen them, I would not have used their practice. Mm. So that, so then other people posted them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they said you gave me the, the courage to post my review. Yeah, I, I think that that may happen more often than people assume. You know, mm-hmm. just there becomes like a, I don't know. It's like, oh, I can't say anything bad about this because look, all these people think it's mm-hmm. great, so mm-hmm. I must be crazy. And exactly. That's, that's not really how it always works. I think part of the reason is because midwifery care can be so intimate and you make this like one-on-one or, you know, semi one-on-one relationship. So like taking that step to stand up and say, Hey, this actually was not appropriate or adequate care can Mm -hmm. be really uncomfortable. So I think, yeah, a lot of people just choose not to do it. So I'm so glad to hear that you didn't have a good experience and you let it be known that you didn't have a good experience. Exactly. Yes. And, and it's, it's easy to get caught up in comparing birth stories and being like, oh, well, my midwife didn't do this. And look what, you know, this midwife was even worse. So maybe my experience wasn't so bad after all. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Such a great point. And okay. So you had, you had a lot to process after this birth. mm -hmm. Um, I'd love not much time to process it. Not (laughs) much time to process it. Because I got pregnant when the baby was nine months. Okay. All right. So, So, (laughs) wow. Okay. So actually just in, in relation to that. So when did you post the review? Like how long did it take you to process all of that and actually send, submit a review? I'd have to go back and look at the timestamps, but I'm pretty sure it was, it it may have even been after my second was born. My husband was the one who finally got me to post it. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like my husband. (laughs) he's like you need to do this like other ladies are gonna have bad experiences with her you know like Mm. like not 
He's like, if you can prevent someone from having a bad experience with her, wouldn't you want to do that? I'm like, right. yes, I would. I will do it. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, yeah. Then, so you get pregnant nine months uh, later. Was what was that like being pregnant pretty pretty soon after your first? Hey, mamas, I'm going to interrupt for just a second to let you know that I have a totally new, totally free home birth guide for you. It's called the Top 8 Home Birth Resources Checklist, and it is full of clickable links that will take you to the best podcast episodes, educational resources, and classes regarding home birth in order to get you ready for this life-altering experience. Want in? Just head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash top eight to get your hands on it. Okay, back to the episode. So I was expecting a little bit of a longer time. We wanted to have about like two years between each kid, but I also didn't want to like have to mess around with birth control. So I'm like, well, if I can use breastfeeding to space the kids at two years, like my mom did, then that'll be great. But if if they are closer together, we'll we'll deal with it. But if if not, that would be great to know, so we don't have to mess around with anything else. Um, so then, yeah, we got pregnant at nine months, and it was really emotional because I was excited to have another baby, but then I was crying because of how painful the birth was last time. Um, I was just afraid of the pain. Uh, and I realize now that it was magnified even more just because I had that fear. I wasn't fearful because I knew what my I knew what my body was doing and I knew what was happening. But I was fearful because I didn't think my midwife was going to be there in time. I was a fearful that I wasn't really in labor and that it was labor was going to be much worse than what I was going through at that moment. Um, I think that contributed to the to the pain of the of that childbirth. Oh. For sure. I mean, we talk about the fear, tension, pain cycle. Here you are feeling like totally out of it, uncertain mm-hmm. of yourself. What you're experiencing is telling you one thing, but then you're getting other information that's making you second guess yourself. That is stressful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I, after a Google search, I found another midwife that I had, I had found in my Google search last time, but I had kind of written her off for a really prejudiced reason. Um, she resembled someone who was a bully to me in high school. I'm like, I don't want to go with her. She looks mean, (laughs) but but her, her name was April. And I was like, I'll interview her and get over my prejudice because I'm not going back. Mm. So, um, I interviewed with her and she was really sweet. And my husband really liked her as well, much more than he liked um, anyone at the other practice personally. Like mm-hmm. bedside manner was much more appropriate. Like the other one's bedside manner was not not great, but this was this was good. Um, and she she knew it seemed like she knew what she's talking about, and she was just she was super sweet. So um, just to contrast with this birth, I also went into labor on my due date. Oh, funny side note though, my other daughter, since I went into labor on my due date, she was born 30 minutes past her due date. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then this one was, um, I woke up at four, uh, the day after my due date. So she was a little later. Um, yeah, so just we yeah. got 40 and one. Yeah. 40 and one, but they were both at 40 and one. So I woke up at 4am with contractions and I'm like, okay, I need to, they were close enough together. I needed to call my midwife. So I called her like a little apprehensive because I, apprehensive. I didn't want her to be upset that I was calling her so early, <laughs> but she was like, okay, um, do you want me to come over now? Or would you like me to wait? And I was just like, wow, that's so different. Like she, <laughs> she didn't even ask me if I really thought I was in labor or anything. Wow. So I told her, you know, I think, I think I'll wait and uh, you can, you can come a little later when I, maybe if I feel like I'm a little farther along. So I, this time I was more prepared with my coping techniques and I just went out and bounced on my ball with my headphones in and my music up and just jammed out on my exercise ball while my husband set up the birth tub. And, um, we actually had a house guest on accident. (laughs) We had a house guest when I went into labor. So we actually had to ask her to go leave our couch and go away in our room. (laughs) 
like you're gonna have to go sleep in our room because I'm about to have this baby (laughs) and our our family room where I was having the baby was uh is one room with the kitchen so we had to divide that off with a sheet so that she could still have breakfast and all that (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to make sure I wanted to be a good host and make sure she still got breakfast (laughs) so um let's see I called her at six though six a.m called April and said I think I'm ready for you to be here so she got there at seven because she was also 45 minutes away and she was all set up at eight o'clock and the same thing happened when she got to my house like the labor kind of stopped and she she recommended I get out of the tub because at that point I had gotten in the tub and she's like sometimes the tub can make your labor slow down and I had gotten in about the same time she got there so I went ahead and got out and it still wasn't picking up. So she suggested that she and her assistant go out to breakfast and they would just go five minutes down the street. And if um, I would, they would be back the minute that I told them I was ready for them. So that was super sweet of her. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So as soon as they left, my labor started up again. I got right back <laughs> in the tub. <laughs> that shy uterus. Yeah. So at nine o'clock, nine o'clock AM, um, I called her and I'm like, I need you back here. <laughs> and I think it's shortly, maybe 15 minutes after they had gotten there, I started pushing. Wow. And my water broke again, but this time underwater. And I was like, well, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> it feels completely different underwater than it does on land. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of mine have broken underwater. And it's such an, it's such an odd feeling underwater. Mm-hmm. It felt pretty explosive. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure if I just pushed extra hard or what. I wasn't <laughs> pushing though; my body was pushing. Yeah. Um, let's see. So this part was funny. My husband was behind me again. Um, I was on my knees, and he was supporting kind of underneath my armpits in the back. And I'm like, "Oh, her head's out," and I'm waiting for the next contraction. Um, and my midwife did. She was like, "Oh, you you don't have to wait for the contraction to push." And I'm like, "I just, I just, my body did a good job last time. I'm just gonna keep following that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I push again, and her arms come out, and I I put my arms underneath her armpits, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was about ready to grab her when my body pushed her the rest of the way out. She was just about to slide out. My husband didn't know that that second emergence had happened. He, in his mind, her head is out, and that's it. And so I push one more time, her whole body's out. I'm p- scooping her up to the front, up to my chest and sitting down onto my legs at the same time. But in, in his mind, her head's only out. So he thinks I'm going to snap her neck oh, no. sitting down on top of her. So he's like, stand up, stand up, stand up. And my midwife, she's in front of me. She sees what's happening. She's like, no, sit down, sit down, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a scary moment for my husband thinking I was snapping our baby's neck. Oh, that is, that is scary. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, then he was, he was, he obviously saw what was happening. And uh, yeah. So at that point, let's see, everything went well. She was now my first daughter, everyone prepared me. And they're like, when you have your baby, just be prepared. She's going to look like an ugly potato or like an alien. She's going to just, she's going to be ugly. Ugly potato. Yes. And she, but my oldest was born and I'm like, oh my goodness, she's beautiful. She's pink and gorgeous. And she just was, she was a beautiful baby. But then this baby, my second, she was born and she was an ugly potato. She was, she was ugly. <laughs> I was like, what's, is something wrong with her? And my, my midwife's like, oh, some babies just look like that. <laughs> it's the swelling. It's the swelling. It'll go down. It was the swelling and her eyes were swollen and red, but the rest oh. of her skin was purple. And it, it was, it was strange. She's beautiful now. She was beautiful even a couple hours later, but just that immediate, I was like, what happened? What? <laughs> I'll still love her, but <laughs> I don't know. I promise I'll still take care of her. I just, <laughs> yes. So this time it was 15 minutes of pushing compared to 45. Um, wow. And that helped a lot with the, with coping with it because it was so much shorter, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So she, April was so much more gentle checking with tears. And she also like, she was much more about like consent. Mm-hmm. So instead of being like, okay, I'm going to check you for tears now. 
you know, get in there and get it done. She's like, is that all right if I check you for tears? I'm like, yes, please be gentle. Mm. And she she was so much more gentle. Um, Gosh, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just like basic human decency, like really, (laughs) it really goes a long way. Yes, exactly. And she wasn't in a hurry at all. And Mm. that was, that was such a relief. Um, she's like, I'm like, how bad did I tear? And she's like, oh, honey, you just have like a little, like a fingernail nicked you down there. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's, it's nothing. And I was like, yay. That postpartum was so much better. I felt like I could do anything after that. Whereas mm-hmm. with my first, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. Uh, and I wonder how much of it was like psychological. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, the uh, psychological and the physical just, they're so interwoven, you know, mm -hmm. like the psychological just so deeply impacts the physical. It causes that painful physical experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could, I don't know. I could barely stand up after my first. I don't, I don't know. I was just so weak. But um, with the second, I was like, I felt so great, but that actually came back to bite me because I ended up getting mastitis like second day. Ouch. (laughs) Because I just pushed too hard, but uh, I was, I felt fine before that. <laughs> before that infection. Before mastitis. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, she, she was a sweet, sweet baby. Oh. Um, then let's see with the, so the third one. So my son, we decided we wanted to space the babies out a little farther because having an 18 month old and a newborn was quite the challenge. So mm. we loved it, but. Um, I didn't think I could do it again. Right. So we had them the second to uh, 23 months apart. And I, it was almost the exact same experience as my second labor. So I woke up at 4am with contractions. (laughs) I called my midwife. I bounced on my ball to the music. The only difference was now we had two young children and all of my childcare plans that I had lined up fell through. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Um, so we ended up having the kids, the two girls in the pool with us while I was laboring with my son. <laughs> okay, no, I actually love that. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Uh, <laughs> like, so they don't understand at that age that like mommy's kind of, distracted right now so they're like trying to ask me and my husband questions and they're trying to get comfortable in the pool and like kicking me in the stomach (laughs) yeah and I'm like oh but uh, I didn't also didn't want to like make them leave Mm. so as long as they were comfortable I wanted them to be able to be there right and while in the moment I felt like they were slowing my labor down it actually went quicker than the the other labor did oh wow so my yeah my midwife got there at 7 a.m. And that's about the time my girls woke up as well. And they left, the girls left when I started pushing. Like I'm a very vocal birther. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, we're ready to go now. <laughs> <laughs> Did they um, just so go to a different room? My husband went like we we're trying to think what can we do to keep them distracted without being in uh I wanted them to be safe. So right. we just put them in the next room over with a with a show mm-hmm. to keep to keep like this, like to be a sound barrier for them so they could watch their show and be distracted while I'm being loud. Right. So after five minutes of pushing, (laughs) he shot out. Oh, wow. (laughs) And my water broke again while I'm, I'm pushing. Uh, let's see. Oh, when, when my water broke this time though, I didn't register it as my water breaking. I actually thought my body was splitting open. It was like that big pop. I thought mm-hmm. my body was splitting open, but uh, it turns out that I didn't tear it at all. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, I was really thankful. I was like, did I split really bad? Because it sounded like like in my body, I felt like I split really bad. She's like, no, there's there's no split. Oh, um, gosh. Mm-hmm. But the difficulty with this birth was that uh, the, the placenta was sticky. Mm. So after he was born and we all got introduced to him and all that. Um, I was time to deliver the placenta and it would not come out. Um, and after, I, I don't know how long it was, but it felt like a long time. My midwife was actually praying like, 
please, Jesus, let this placenta come out. Yeah. Um, it finally came out, but it was, she's like, this is the stickiest placenta that she'd ever seen. So I don't know if it, I just did something diet wise that was different, but, uh, it was, it was sticky. And I found out later there was a piece still inside, mm. um, but my, my body did, my body did pass it, but I should have like trusted my gut that it wasn't right because afterwards for like 24 hours, the after pains were still as intense as labor contractions. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is crazy. Like, why does this still hurt so bad? And finally, like a golf ball size piece of placenta came out and I texted a picture to my midwife. I'm like, is this normal? And she's like, well, that's a piece of your placenta. So I'm glad it made its way out. Uh, yeah, that could have been dangerous. Yeah. I actually, with my second birth, um, some membranes and a chunk of placenta did not come out. Mm. And it was like two weeks later when what? all of a sudden, yeah. And I should have known, I mean, I knew there was something wrong. I knew something was, was off, mm-hmm. but like when my milk came in, I felt super sick. Like it was just, I thought I had the flu. It was horrible, but my milk did come in mm-hmm. and then it was two weeks later. And all of a sudden I passed this, <laughs> like, I mean, you don't want to see a placenta two weeks after <laughs> like, oh, or not, smell it. Oh. Yeah, for sure. And then my milk like re came in. It was just, oh, it was crazy. That I have never heard that before. Yeah, okay, I wish I, I had listened to your it. podcast, but <laughs> yeah, I probably didn't talk about it then because we recorded the podcast before the piece came out. What? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so incredible. Nice to, nice to think about that. I was recording that podcast with a piece of placenta. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I'm sorry. Fun. That must have been terrible. It oh was, that was a really crazy experience, but, but yeah, I mean a golf ball size chunk. That's a big, that's a big old piece there, Bethany. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I text a picture to my midwife. I'm like, sure. She's probably used to this. My oh, wife's yeah. get all the TMI pictures. <laughs> So, okay. So that happened. And then what was your postpartum like with this third birth? Um, I made sure I took it much more easy than the second Mm -hmm. because I had pushed myself um, too hard. Right. And I felt, I felt a little bit of the same um, some of the same feelings resurfaced from the first birth where I felt a little neglected but I think it was due to the fact that like all the COVID restrictions and stuff going on had affected the prenatal care and, yeah. um, and being able like people wanting to come see the baby. Cause I was all like with COVID, I wasn't too concerned about it mm-hmm. uh, because we were so low risk and, but everyone else was still like, Oh, you know, we don't want to come risk infecting your baby. And, um, but I was fine if anyone was well and wanted to come see the baby. And I, and I know a lot of people want that time alone with their baby, but I feel like I really need the support of people visiting. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, so that, that did affect it a little bit. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. So as a whole though, gosh, I mean, what a difference it sounds like your care, you know, the shift in your care that you made when choosing Mm -hmm. a new midwife, what a difference that made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. When you are thinking of giving advice to other mothers, um, I mean, obviously we said, listen to your intuition, but what would you tell mothers who are interviewing midwives or who maybe have a midwife and they're like, I'm not sure that this is this feels right. Like, what would you say to that? Um, I'd say like, listen, listen to your gut. And if you think you see red flags, then take time to look at those. Um, and yeah, the biggest thing is just, you need to trust your gut. Cause it's going to not seem right before it's actually not right. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, of course, there's, there, you know, warning signs, but it's mm-hmm. sometimes it can be kind of easy to push those to the side. Yeah, just dismiss it as, you know, maybe I'm being too critical. Yeah. Right. 
Oh my gosh, Bethany. Well, I'm so happy to hear that after that, you were able to find far more appropriate care Mm -hmm. and really, it seems like enjoy those last birthing experiences. That is such a big deal. That's true. With the last one, I forgot to mention, I was, I was actually looking forward to the birth, Mm, even though I knew it was going to be painful again. Um, at least for me, it's, it's painful and it, I was still looking forward to it. I was still like, I can't wait to see what this experience is like. Wow. That, yeah. I mean, I think that says it all. Like that sums Mm -hmm. up just how important your birth team is, just how important who you have caring for you can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh, Bethany, this has been such an illuminating conversation. I think this is going to help so many mothers. Um, I just, I, I feel like it's something that we really haven't had much of an opportunity to talk about on the podcast. So this is just vital. This is such a critical conversation and it's going to be so helpful. I'm really grateful for you for being willing to come on, to share your experience, to let people know that, you know, it's not just sunshine and rainbows. Like it's not, it doesn't, just because you choose a midwife doesn't mean anything. Like we have to make sure that this midwife is going to work with us in an appropriate manner. So thank you so much for shedding light on that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening and sharing my story. Of course. I'm so glad to have you on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. So I think we've learned some things in this episode, eh? As we head into this week's episode roundup, here's what I'm mulling over. Number one, red flags, little oddities, gut feelings, Don't push these to the side as much as you may want to explain them away. If you're feeling uncertain about your care provider, that's a good sign that more interviews with other care providers is a great next step. There's nothing wrong with a second opinion or four. Speak with other midwives, notice how they engage with you, and really consider your situation. My heart breaks with how Bethany was left feeling, and I know she's not the only one who has ever had an experience like this. Number two, obviously, as this story demonstrates, using a midwife isn't enough. Just as there are some truly incredible, amazing obstetricians, there are some downright bad midwives, and we can't just turn our eyes from that and pretend like it isn't true. Number three, if you've had a negative experience with a midwife, as hard as it may be to do so... Don't be silent, whether it means speaking to your midwife individually and discussing what happened and sharing how you feel about it, or whether it means warning others in your community so that they don't go into a relationship blind, speak up. And finally, look at the difference between Bethany's stories. So much of our well-being and comfort and peace and labor can be wrapped up in our care provider. Bethany mentions how scared she was to go into labor with her second baby because of her first experience. But by the time she was entering labor with baby number three, she was excited. Yes, she knew there would be discomfort, but she also knew she was supported and she could do it. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.